Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Take advantage of Johnson & Johnson's Winter Wellness Event and get rewarded. It pays to be prepared for the season. Get sweet deals from Johnson & Johnson's Winter Wellness Event now through December 3rd. If you purchase $15 or $25 of participating products at BJ's, you can get a $5 or $10 reward. Plus, you can even enter to win a Visa Rewards card. Purchase at BJ's, upload your receipt, and choose your reward. It pays to be prepared at BJ's. Episode of the Sunday Show. I am Michael J. And joining me for this episode is Jenna Ashlyn. And um, did I say that right? Yeah, I'm, I did say yes. that right, right? Okay. Yes, you and did. This is, this, is, this is different because normally um, on the show I have other podcasters and other people that, that I know and I kind of try to like dig deeper with them. But when um, when I heard your story, I was like, you know, you would be a perfect fit for, you know, just, just something different because I've never, I mean, I've never experienced obviously what you've gone through, but it just seemed um, just like a harrowing experience to say the least. So um, why don't you start by uh, kind of, um, you know, digging in, giving us some, some background as to what, uh, what, uh, you know, maybe start at the beginning somewhat and then we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. So it's a long story though. I mean, it's always I the mean, beginning is always like, okay, which beginning? <laughs> well, I um, mean, so I'll, yeah. I'll kind yeah, of just, just summarize and then get to right. like when, where the books kind of start. Um, okay. so I'm an author, survivor, and an advocate, and I think I've pretty much always been that. Um, I had a pretty, a pretty rough childhood, and um, there was a lot of things happening that wasn't quite right. We were very much in poverty, and I started experiencing, um, you know, sexual assault um, probably around the age of four, and that continued until I became until I was almost a teenager and I kind of learned some patterns there and it kind of didn't set me up for a lot of success. Um, so there was a whole lot happening before that, but whenever, um, I was 30 years old, I was in a pretty good relationship and, um, my husband at the time passed away. 
so I was completely devastated. I was not in a good place. And um, guys started hitting on me for whatever reason at the funeral. Like they did not wait. I did not have any space whatsoever. And you were in that relationship for, for I'm gathering like a long period of time. Um, not as long as it should have been. It was only a few years, but it was more than enough because he mm -hmm. was like the first sign of like a decent guy that I'd ever had. And um, so because of all these people just kind of showing up, um, I wasn't in the best frame of mind. So I ended up trying to, you know, find a friend or something to kind of deflect. So I, I went looking for a guy friend and mm -hmm. I found one that said, you know, I'm going to respect that you're not ready for a relationship and I'm here to help you. And it's great. We can just be friends. Um, as time went on, I, I felt more and more pressure to accept him as more than just a friend. And um, he really just didn't give up. So eventually I ended up in a relationship with him just because he kind of wore me down. And, you know, I figured, hey, you know, it's just my head. I'm just not ready. But he seems like a good guy. So, you know, maybe I should not just let him go because I might regret it. Probably should have followed my instincts on that one because it, it kept getting worse. So within a year or two, um, he was full on abusive. And that was um, mental abuse and sexual abuse that continued um, almost constantly. And the whole time I was very much in this state of mind where I didn't really know what to do or thought it was all my fault because he was really good at making me feel like it was. So I just kind of continued on and after a while, I wasn't allowed to bring up my husband that had passed away because I was still trying to heal from that. So I wasn't able to to love as much as I should have. Right. I was pretty well shut down and and I was aware of that. And so I blame that for not really having the kind of feelings that I should have had or any kind of questioning his motives, things like that. I blamed on you know me not being completely healed from from losing my husband so i started writing a book and it was just my way of kind of getting those emotions out and i was able to kind of relive those last moments with him just through my writing and with that i kind of created okay this is what i should have done and this is what you know, I needed in my life, I needed someone who was really supportive and who would just listen. And mm -hmm. I didn't have all of those things. But as I started to write, I started to heal. And I started to understand myself and I became more and more aware of what was going on around me. And one day I was tucking my youngest in bed and she's, she was only like eight or nine years old. And she looked up at me with these big, beautiful blue eyes and said, mommy, I want a new daddy. 
that was like mm. a huge wake up call because you don't expect your kid to say that, you know? Right. So I'm guessing you're now, did you have any children with your, your first husband, the one that died or was this, um, well, he wasn't um, my first, um, because of the, the childhood that I had, um, I had developed some pretty bad patterns that needed a whole lot more healing than what I had. He was, he was actually my third. Um, so I've had really bad luck with a lot of relationships, but like, that's like a whole other story. So, well, um, okay. Just, just so I can try to get a handle on this. I'm, I'm okay. So, um, from when you were a child it 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 you know with the abuse that you suffered then that was that was bad and that kind of like led to um you know eventually the um the other marriages the two other marriages and those guys were i'm i'm guessing not good so then no they weren't your so then your third husband came along and he was like as you said your first kind of like glimmer of like you know what a good guy is or how a guy should act. And then when he passed on, then this other guy came along and that's, um, okay. So, um, your youngest was from the, I guess from my the second to marriage. Oh, your second. Okay. Yeah. All my kids came from my second marriage. Okay. And he had actually ended up abusing the kids. So whenever they were toddlers, he um, left whelps on on my uh, oldest daughter. He I had oh. went out to go get work clothes to start a new job, and mm -hmm. he had taken the metal edge of a wooden ruler and busted it, broke it on mm. her bare bottom, and she was two years old. That's that's hard. I I just can't believe that there's there's men out there that would even do that. that that's that's horrible. And he didn't regret it. He told me that he would do it again and, and nobody could tell him, you know, what he needed to do or how he was going to raise his kids. So, you know, I, I tried to talk to him, you know, and I tried to get him to help get help. I was like, well, maybe you should have some anger management or parenting classes or something like that. And mm -hmm. he thought I was crazy. And um, I called Children's Services and had it examined and he was charged with child abuse. So even and even after that, I was trying to work with him and try to get him help and stuff, but he showed no remorse or anything. And so that was it, you know. And he didn't want to try therapy or, or counseling, I'm guessing, nothing like that. I mean, the court made him do some, but he didn't change really at all. Right. And he's he's only seen he has he's seen them once in five years. So it's one of those it is what it is kind of things. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, um, at least from what you're saying, it's probably better that that he's not involved. I mean, if he was, uh, you know, a better person, it seems like yeah. it'd be better if he was involved. But at this point, he's just not that. He doesn't seem like that anyway. So that's that's. It's probably better right. that he's not. Um, they're teenagers now, and he does seem a lot better now. And I don't like restrict him from seeing them. Um, but he just never does. And he has like other stuff going on and some health issues and things like that. So, um, as he's grown as a person, I've actually never restricted it, except for like there in the beginning, 
it was like mm -hmm. very supervised, very stringent. Um, but whenever they got older, um, you know, I, I kind of left it up to them and him. And because I just don't want to be the kind of mom that says, no, you can't see your dad or, or talks crap about him. You know, I just tell them the truth and let them make their own decisions because I just don't want to be that person. So I always try to do the right thing. I mean, it just, um, so then that was, that was your second. Um, so how long after the, the, um, your second husband, did you meet the, um, the good guy, your, your third husband? Um, it wasn't very long at all. Um, we were friends for a few months and then we just kind of started dating and that happened really fast because mm -hmm. he was a, you know, a, a fairly good guy mm -hmm. and, um, different than anything that I had experienced up to that point. So um, I just kind of went with it and things were going really well. But um, whenever he died and I ended up not being able to get rid of this other guy that I was trying not to be in a relationship with, mm -hmm. um, my pattern of being married a few times kind of didn't help the fact that I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the problem. So I was constantly convincing myself that I was. And you know, getting therapy and things of that nature, just to kind of make sure that um, I was doing the right thing and, and that I was coming from a healthy place and that I wasn't, uh, I did not want to repeat a pattern of, of being one of those people that, that married constantly. So I was doing a lot of self-reflection and everything. And he was a narcissist. So he fed on that. And Anytime that he shoved me up against the wall or told me to shut up and I would react to it, he would tell me, he would have me convinced that it was my fault, you know, that I didn't love him enough or that I wasn't listening to anything he said. So things got pretty bad um, because, you know, I was very easily convinced that after having a pattern of, of you know, two abusive husbands, you know, you start to look at yourself and say, well, am I the problem? And a lot of a lot of people in a lot of society kind of look at it that way, too. So it gets really scary whenever you've had more than one or two husbands to say. And, you know, you're young, still quite young. I'm only 41 now and I've been through all this. You know, there comes a point whenever you are blaming yourself and you are getting help and you are getting therapy. But these things still keep happening. But right. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that um, this man was abusive because when it was all said and done, he actually did the same things to the next person and except much, much faster. I ended up helping her escape as well. Yeah, I mean, that's horrible because it's like you had the, the two bad marriages and then the third one came along and it seems like that kind of allowed you to heal you know, a little, a little bit, or at least in some ways you healed. And then after that, it kind of just, you know, went to hell again, or you, you know, and it really seems like you've experienced like your own personal hell. It's, it's, I, I can't even imagine. I, um, I mean, yeah, I, there really is no other way of saying it because like, it was a lot of shit. It was a whole lot of shit because I mean, you don't, Everybody says, oh, if they've been married more than a couple times, you know, the problem is with them. And like, it really wasn't. 
And like, it's really hard to even convince yourself of that after a while, because you start to think, well, maybe the problem is me. And so I'll try to get back on track a little bit. Um, because I want things still, I want to talk about the good things too. <laughs> right. oh, no, definitely. 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 <laughs> I, I, because, I get it. It's... Yeah. Um, so I started writing um, as I was writing within the gray, like I created this support person. Mm-hmm. And I want you guys to remember this because it'll come up again. Um he was just this character that I kind of fantasized about and created that was supportive and, and intelligent and able to have really deep conversations and, and not be, you know, all about pushing me into things I didn't want to do. And, you know, I just kind of lived there for a while and, and the creating of the book and, you know, writing how I felt things should have went, you know, in the book, I, I went to a crisis center in real life. I was scared to death to do that because where were my kids going to go? Because I didn't want them with their real dad, you know, because they were still little because it it had only been a few years and they were like four and six. I have uh, a set of twins and then one a couple years younger. Mm. And so I didn't get to do those things. So I created this world where I did. So as I was writing this book, which I wrote in emails to myself, by the way, which because I didn't have Microsoft Word or anything like that, I started climbing my way out of poverty. I went and I got a little business degree and I started like climbing out and building a career because my husband wasn't doing it. He refused. Anytime that I would bring it up, it was this big sob story about he how he couldn't. And, and I believed him and I just went with it and um, things just kept getting worse. I made some mistakes that I'm not proud of because I needed companionship and affection. And the only thing I was getting at home was thrown on a bed so much so and pushed up against walls and basically raped almost every day. And I just wanted somebody to hold me and talk to me and make me feel like somebody cared for like five minutes. Um, It was so rough that whenever after he left and I got like a new mattress and everything, you know, those metal bed frames, Mm -hmm. he had snapped it in half. It was broken. So. I'm just glad you got away from him because that that just it it took a lot. It was. And, And it was a nightmare in my own mind, too, because I kept thinking that it was my fault, you know and as things kind of progressively gotten got worse um i ended up working far from home and he ended up asking for an open marriage and whenever he did that it absolutely broke my heart because i was working my ass off working 60 hours a week an hour and a half from home that's a lot of driving that's a lot of being gone didn't get to see my kids for for what felt like an eternity and you know, whenever I got back, you know, he wouldn't cook for me. He wouldn't get anything ready. I had to go through like McDonald's or Taco Bell because that was the only thing open at midnight. And it would take like an extra half an hour or so to get home, knowing that I had to start all over at six o'clock the next morning. So I didn't get a lot of sleep. 
Um, but whenever yeah. he asked for that, I was completely devastated and he wore me down for like a week. Like for some people, you know, that is, that is great that they have that freedom. But for me personally, it wasn't a good situation because I ended up being forced into that too. And he would make sure that I was posting on, on dating sites and Craigslist and, and all of that. And, and he would like double check and kind of push me into talking to people. So I, whenever I would go to work because they knew basically where I was, not specifically, but basically I would literally go hide in a corner so that guys that were passing by couldn't see me. Um, and like, so kind of at that point I, I knew what was going on and I started to heal. And that was whenever the relationship really broke for me. And that was Mm -hmm. a couple years before I managed to get out. Um, right before I got out, I met, I ended up getting promoted again and moved closer to home. So, so that was great, but that also allowed him to kind of stalk me outside of my store because there was, it was like a wall of glass windows where I worked so he could see anything at all times and who I was talking to. And I worked in sales. I was a, a retail sales manager for a jewelry store. So he could see everything. And like that sucked because if I talked to a guy, even if he was a customer for too long, you better believe I was paying for it whenever I got home. Um, oh, if he wasn't, yeah. didn't start like texting and calling me like constantly. But in that process, um, I had a customer that started to come in more and more regularly. And um, his the first time of him coming in the store was like um, three days of me becoming the store manager. And, you know, I was used to really interesting conversations and stuff. And I was in Charleston, West Virginia is where I worked. And I live in no man's land. Ohio, Southern Ohio, where there's, there's like nothing going on. There's, there's just not a lot of people. And, um, you know, so I really enjoyed those conversations and he did too, because he, you know, we're very like-minded. So he started coming in more and more often. Well, um, whenever I finished within the gray, it was whenever he and I started to become friends, not just like a customer in the store, but we became friends. And the whole time I'm going through all this. So every once in a while, I can kind of like ask him questions like, you know, well, what do you do whenever you give and give and give and they never give anything back? And and one of the things he said was like, eventually you're going to run out and you're not going to have anything to give. And it's just not a healthy situation. And so there was, a lot of conversations like that. And there was a point where, you know, we became close friends. Um, it was like a year. And that was about the time that I finished writing um, within the gray and I put it down and I waited six months. Well, in that six months period of time, my entire life changed. That's when I got out. And then I started, you know, developing a, a really good friendship with this guy. Um, so in that six months, I managed to get out, get the divorce. And in order to do that, I actually had to pay him. I had to pay him, um, $200 a month for a year plus $5,000 to, um, like get the down payment back that his dad had given us as a gift for the down payment of the house, every other bill I'd paid myself and kept him in his hobbies and 
things for that entire period of time, which was expensive. So um, this was outside of like alimony even. This was just something that he kind of like requested or, or wanted. Um, he asked for a lot of things during the marriage and stuff like that. So he had anything and everything that he wanted and needed. And then, yeah, it was $5,000 lump sum, which I wasn't, I ended up not being able to pay um, as much as, as what he requested because he kept coming by um, my work and revving up his car engine on a vehicle that I bought him. I bought him a little turbo car. So he ended up stalking and harassing me with it. So much so that like I would literally cringe if you know how you know guys with turbo cars and stuff like that they like to rev up their engines mm -hmm. if i were to hear a loud engine or a motorcycle or anything that sounded anything like that i would like cringe and duck because he did it so often i mean he was a complete stalker but eventually i ended up having to leave my job because of that and um it was horrible <laughs> It was so horrible. So I ended up not being able to to like pay the full amount. And I eventually got him talked down to less because he just wanted money and he wanted it mm -hmm. then. So he would agree to just about anything. Um, mm -hmm. And he had a new target and a new girlfriend and everything. Um, I think I mentioned that before where, you know, I ended up helping her get out. So, yeah. so he was busy with all of that. And so finally I get out and the divorce is, is over and I pick the book back up and I start reading about this support person and what was amazing to me is like, I wrote that guy into existence because the one that I started having deep conversations with and everything, mm -hmm. um, I wrote the book before I really knew him and it was almost exactly him. So for people that believe in like manifestation and the law of attraction or, or those kind of things, like that's what happened. You, uh, yeah, you kind of, uh, created your, um, yeah, you kind of created your, uh, savior on my, well, not your savior, but your, um, you know, um, oh, I can't He's even my think French of Charlie. the word I'm looking for. Right. I mean, you're. Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean that that really is um, that that really is uh, kind of incredible when you think about it because it, it's yeah. almost like uh, you know your 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 dream person. Well, you're you know that that's and this this was the first book, right? The first book that you wrote. Yeah. So within the gray is is what should have happened, and I kind of like mm -hmm. wrote this guy into existence. Um, and that book is actually like the dedication for it is in loving memory of the husband that I lost. Um, mm. and then, oh, with special dedication to, um, this man because, because he was the one to make me feel safe enough to love again. And mm. it was quite a journey from like point A to point B. And within the gray is what should have happened. Sheila's men is what did happen. And um, it's very, very triggering because it does go through what I went through, but it doesn't go through all the details. Um, like I'll 
start into the scene and everything. And then I just stop it. And it says, thank God for autopilot. Because as I was going through this, those, those situations, I kind of shut down and just my mind went elsewhere. That, I mean, oh. so, okay. So basically within the, um, okay. So within the gray, within the gray is your first book, Sheila's manager. Cause I, okay. So yeah. Cause the email, I remember the book that's coming out, Sheila's men is not out yet. Correct. It that is now this month. Oh, it is now. Okay. It is okay, now. It's I, been out. I saw or, it comes out in January or it was coming out in January. It came out, um, on the 10th. So it's, it's been doing really well, actually. It's already got, um, three good reviews on, on mm -hmm. Amazon and it debuted in the top 100 in several categories. And, um, you know, some people find it very challenging because it is triggering, but it's overall, what most people are saying is that is very, very powerful and life changing. Mm -hmm. And I had to go through so much to really get to where I am. Well, so that, so now are you, um, so are you, um, in a relationship now, or are you, um, or are you not? I'm getting married in June. Oh, so now is this, so this seems like, um, is this a better guy or is this, um, yeah, we've been together for, um, three years and, um, the, he was the support person <laughs> that oh. I wrote into existence. So this so, okay. So the support person did end up becoming the. Uh, so so you basically. Uh, um, so were you connected with him then all this time, or did you lose touch over, like a period, and then kind of like come back together? Or how did that work? Um, with my fiance, we um, like I said before, he was kind of just a customer in the store that would come in every once in a while, and mm -hmm. then you know we started having more conversations and these were all like very deep intellectual types of conversations and talking about relationships and psychology because he's um going for his um he's in the master's program now for psychology and mm -hmm. you know so we just had a lot to talk about because i love talking about stuff like that and that's really where it was and as we became closer it and I think it was around the same time that I filed for divorce papers, the divorce papers mm -hmm. and everything, because neither he nor I wanted to be in a relationship. It was just kind of over time and a lot of honesty and a lot of these deep conversations, like we knew each other very mm -hmm. well. Um, and we were like acquaintances for like a year. And then we were close friends for six months before we ever even held hands. And the only reason that happened is because feelings and stuff started to kind of grow and develop and we kept pushing them away going, no, we don't want this. You know, this is not, he was like deathly afraid of women because he had been abused too and wow. had been through some bad situations and stuff. So he like, hate evil women were evil. That's what he said. Um, right. and I felt men were evil. So, you know, we were both very, no, but we'll be able to have these great conversations because 
who doesn't love a great conversation? And, you know, it was like right around the time that I filed, managed to file the divorce papers and everything. Cause I had to like learn to stand up for myself and like really push. And I remember how scary that was. Like it was, it was seriously scary because you just don't know. I didn't know what the guy was capable of. I was like, okay, am I going to live through this kind of a thing? And, um, like after the divorce was over, you know, we started dating, like we held hands. And then a couple of days later we had our first kiss. And I mean, it was, it was very slow and very sweet and very old fashioned really, as far as how quickly things moved or didn't move. Cause it was, it was very, very slow. But, um, in that, you know, we also helped each other through the healing process. Um, which like everybody is against doing, but if you can like be open and really communicate and help each other heal in like an intelligent way in a real way and not judge each other. I mean, it's possible, but like from meeting till dating was a year and a half. So, and you would say that this relationship is probably the most, um, I mean, um, would you say that this is even better than, um, you know, your other husband that passed away? It seems like this is very, um, you know, the communication is very open and, um, you know, it, it just seems like it's, um, you know, moving in a, in a very positive direction, obviously, in a very, a very good place. Yes, it's, it's better than even, than even the one that, that passed away. It was like, um, that was like a preview for coming attractions, but I mean, mm -hmm. I wish I didn't have to go through all the hell that I did to be able to appreciate people and life and, and love the way that I do now. And mm -hmm. because it, I mean, that that's a lot and the healing process that I have really um, that he and I have both went through has, has been tremendous. It's not like going to therapy once a month. I mean, towards the end of um, the relationship with my abuser, it was, I was texting therapists every day. I was having conversations with, you know, my support person who is now my fiance. I was mm -hmm. journaling. I mean, this was like an everyday, all day kind of a thing where I had to kind of dig up and examine, you know, everything from, um, you know, my childhood, the entire abusive, all of the abusive relationships and stuff to find my own patterns and, and recognize that I was in some way drawing these things to myself, which nobody likes to talk about, but like, it's a real thing because if you're used to a certain type of person and that's all you've experienced, that's what you're going to think is normal. And that's, I mean, just how it works. You have to kind of rework things and reprioritize what's important to kind of get through the healing process and it's really hard um i tell a lot of people especially you know i encourage people to buy sheila's men not just because i want to sell but because it can help because when it triggers you which most of the time it does you know it's if a person has been through a lot of trauma or abuse of any kind then, you know, start journaling it out and let yourself feel those emotions. If anything triggers you at any time, you need to allow yourself to feel those things and not deny them because they're there and they're not going anywhere. And you can use that as a tool to kind of heal your, start to heal and start to see your own patterns. And if you see, 
you know, your reaction to something, you can ask yourself why, and you can kind of really dig in deep. And that's a great tool to take to your therapist who you're probably only seeing a couple times a month. That way they can actually help you more. So you said Sheila's men was, was, um, what, what kind of made you, cause it seems like beyond the gray and Sheila's men are, are different. Like both are different books in a sense. So what kind of like brought about Sheila's men? What, 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 I mean, I know, you know, what happened, but where did, like, where did that start? Like, how did you get that, you know, the, um, the drive to maybe want to write that book? At first, I mean, I've always loved to write, so it was kind of natural for me. And at first it was just kind of part of my healing process because it worked really well um, whenever I wrote Within the Gray and it was kind of my healing process for um, the death of my husband. So I was kind of going about it in the same way. Um, so I just started to, you know, write what happened and start kind of sorting things out and using that as a tool to help myself but about halfway through um i realized that you know this wasn't just an ordinary book that this was important and that people needed to read it and mm -hmm. that it could really help others and that kind of drove me to really push myself as far as the healing process goes and i wanted to be able to help other people so I actually wrote Sheila's Men in about six months where Within the Gray took years. And I just really sat down and I focused hard on it. And because I wanted to help other people, I don't want this to just be about me because it's such a common thing that happens that it's just so important that people know that they're not alone, that they're not crazy, that, you know, these things are real and there is a way out. And so many people that do survive end up committing suicide or are severely depressed and, and never really escape. Like they may physically escape, but mentally they don't. And I want to be an example and, and show them that life really is a lot better on the other side and, and you can make it through. So you do, do you do um, speaking engagements or, uh, I mean, I, um, I saw, I thought there was like um, volunteering and stuff that you did. And I don't know if like speaking engagements are like involved with that or anything. Um, I'm not yet. I'm hoping that it, that it does. Um, I think that I would really enjoy that. And I think I would really be probably be pretty good at it. Um, but normally I'm on the crisis line for um, our, lo our local um, area advocacy program it's called the survivors advocacy outreach program and i'm on um the crisis line normally um once a week so if somebody is having um to, or having a crisis or needing someone to talk to there's like one day a week where they'll get me and that seems like that has to i mean at least i would think that that'd be very rewarding but um also at the same time it's got to be um I guess bittersweet because does that ever bring back like uh, memories or, or, you know, feelings that you've had from the past? Like, is there uh, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Um, not like a whole, whole lot, mm -hmm. but 
I, it does happen. And, um, there's a lot of times when, um, I'm talking, there's a lot of people cause I'm on some support groups and stuff on Facebook. There's a lot of times where I'll be talking to, to those people through messenger and, you know, I kind of have to hold myself back a little bit because, you know, I don't want to just jump in and say, Oh, that's definitely abuse. Cause like, I don't want to be like that, but right. you know, just asking all the questions and stuff, I see myself in them. And whenever I start to see, you know, them kind of realizing things on their own, because you can't just like come out and say, you're in an abusive relationship. You need to get out. That's not really how that works. <laughs> it would be great right. if it did, but it doesn't. Um, that, I mean, it's very rewarding. It's, it's so fulfilling. And I got into that after I helped, um, the next girl escape from, from the same abuser, you know, I helped her and, and talked her through it. Like, I mean, I didn't go hold her hand and pack her stuff or anything like that, but you know, I was her support person and I gave her someone to talk to and, and let her know that everything was going to be okay. And whenever she got out and she started to taste freedom for the first time, um, it was such a, a beautiful feeling. And did she, so it sounds like she came to you or did you just see a pattern developing with her and you approached her to help her get out of it? Well, I had met her whenever they first got together and she'd asked like a couple questions and mm -hmm. I told her, I was like, you know, yeah, the rumors that you're hearing from like my neighbors and your family members and all these other people, they're, they're true. And I didn't really go any further than that but I kept those lines of communication open just in case she needed me. And eventually right. she did like, like I was really nice to her and we got along great. So it was, I think it was easy for her to come to me because, you know, we shared an, an experience, although she got out much faster. So. <laughs> so, and, uh, is, uh, is that abuser with anyone now or is he, uh, he is. Oh, he, oh. He is. He's, 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 he's jumped to another one, like, immediately after um, the last one. So he's, like, showing that pattern. And um, the last one has tried to reach out to her a little bit, but she's mm -hmm. not believing anything because, of course, she thinks he's the best thing that's ever happened to her. And we're just kind of sitting back and waiting. Yeah, I mean, because that's, I, that's the sad thing that you really can't, you know, it's not like you can like grab them and shake them and be like, look, this is what he's, you know, this is what he's done. This is what he's capable of doing. And he did it to me and he's going to do it to you. And she, yeah, I doubt she'd listen to that, but that, I mean, but really, no, because we're crazy like, exes. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know, but it, it's got to be a lot to want to like, you know, fight that urge to just go over and just shake her and be like, listen, this is not good. You need to get out of this. But, yeah, uh, he proposed within like a couple months. And like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I'm staying out of it and letting like the last one kind of handle it and talk to her because I'm trying to, although I'm here, she knows who I am. Right. Um, she knows how to contact me and stuff. So, I mean, it, I'm here and I think that everybody knows that, 
but um, I'm out of that situation at the same time and I'm not going to stay there. So I'm right. kind of moved on and I'm trying to help more people and not just focus on, on what he's doing. So. Well, no, that's good. And do, do you see, um, you know, more writing in your future? Are there any other plans for that? Or like, what are you, uh, yes. what are you trying to focus on now? On uh, well, right now I'm focusing on the launch of Sheila's Men and I'm talking to a lot of people and doing a lot of um, bringing awareness and, and having conversations like this. But I, I do have another book um, that is halfway through that does deal more with childhood and mm -hmm. um, those early, early days. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But I was I'm also um, northern Appalachian and I'm putting some stuff in there and hopefully it's not going to be quite as as rough as as the last one <laughs> i'm trying to find yeah, ways to, to make it easier to read yeah i mean so it'll it'll cover like the develop my development as a writer from a young child and um some of the uh, abusive situations that i was in as as well as kind of growing up in in appalachia out on a farm mm -hmm. and um not really feeling like I belonged and kind of getting out of that. <laughs> so oh, wow. like people want to hear those good country stories, but I was the girl that didn't want to be there. So <laughs> I, I mean, I look, I look forward to reading that. I look forward to, I mean, honestly, I'm going to go out after this. I will go to Amazon and I'm going to buy those books um, and give them a read because it just, it seems like very um, interesting and empowering stories. And, uh, very important stories, honestly, for, uh, well, thank you. Because, um, uh, you know, you'll, you'll really like within the gray. Um, just because like, I, I know the kind of stuff that you guys normally do because, uh, within the gray is a place, the gray is a place and it's mm -hmm. like a psychological place that's in her mind that she sees and dreams and visions and stuff. And that's where the book starts. And, um, it was, inspired by sound of silence by disturbed like in their video mm -hmm. and everything it kind of gave me the kicking point to kind of kick off the book so um i think you'll actually really like that because there's a lot of it and it's it's kind of a cool place like it's supposed to be like very much a nightmare but um spoiler alert it does show up in sheila's men too and like when it did i like had a little party and i was super excited so <laughs> yeah no that's i mean it's always good to uh you know, to call back certain things, bring back certain things. That's, well, they're connected, you know. actually, because um, Sheila is the mother in Within the Gray. So so it's kind of like the prequel to Within the Gray, mm -hmm. because you get to see the main character, Tara, grow up in Sheila's men. She's the little girl. So it's, it's cool. Oh, so, so, yeah, you'll see. I look forward to it. I definitely do. Is there anything that you'd like to uh, uh, leave our viewers and uh, listeners with, like um, any parting words? Um, just don't be afraid to heal. Don't be afraid to be triggered. You know, use use this these things as a tool. And there is a better life out there. You don't have to stay where you are. And you definitely need to escape them completely, not just physically. Don't let them have your mind. That's uh, wonderful, wonderful words. And uh, Jenna, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to uh, reading those books and uh, 
whatever you have coming down the pike in the future, I will, uh, I'll be there. So uh, I look forward to it. All right. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fun. Thank you. And uh, we will see you next time on the Sunday show. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.